Our God is a great God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And it's a, another great honor. And I, I never step into any pulpit lightly. Um, but I, again, appreciate so much the invitation from the board, um, your pastor, and the opportunity to be together with you this evening. Thank God for His presence as we worship Him. Amen. His presence as we lift Him up. So thank you to the worship team for giving God the glory, giving God the praise. Hallelujah. They're not here to entertain you. Amen. Praise God. But we are here to entertain the presence of God. Hallelujah. We, we built a, uh, a platform at our church in Ballarat recently, and I'm very careful to call it a platform, not a stage. Because there is one stage, and that is the entire building. Amen. And there is one in the audience, and that is Jesus Christ. Praise God. So we want to lift Him up and Him alone and glorify Him and Him alone because He and He alone is worthy of that glory. That's what we heard in the tongue and the interpretation that our God is worthy of glory. Praise God. So we want to continue to bring Him glory this evening. Amen. So please, I'm not going to take a, a lot of your time this evening, but I pray that we can continue to just keep worshiping our God. Hallelujah. You can be seated, but don't stop worshiping. You can, you can relax, but don't stop worshiping. You can sit down and take a load off, but don't stop worshiping. Hallelujah. Because he hasn't stopped loving you. He hasn't stopped caring for you. He hasn't stopped giving his all for you and for me. Praise God. So we're not about worshiping anybody on the platform. And I know that your pastor would be very, very strong about that. Because our eyes need to be on him and him alone. Because I'm sorry to tell you this, but most of you know it already, but... People will let you down. People will disappoint you. But he never will. We, you will know this, that the last four words of the book of Acts, the book of Acts does not have a natural conclusion. It does not draw to a natural end because God is still writing the final chapters of the book of Acts to this day. But the final four words in English says, no man forbidding him comes from the Greek word, and please forgive my pronunciation, but it's along the lines of a kolotos, which means without hindrance, no man hindering him in a sense that no man was stopping him. It is not uh, preventing him from speaking forth, and it was speaking about the apostle Paul as he brought people to his house, and from morning until night he spoke unto them of the goodness of his God. Hallelujah. He preached unto them Jesus Christ from the prophets and from the law, and we serve an unstoppable God. Amen. His word is unstoppable. His spirit is unstoppable. His church is unstoppable. And I don't have time to take you to Genesis account tonight, but you know in the Genesis account that each beast would, would begat after its own kind. And if you look through that end portion of the book of Acts, you will read that if they would see, if they would hear, they would understand and they would receive, then they shall be converted and they shall be healed. You can read that for yourself in Acts 28 and 27. There is a, a process through there that is unstoppable. So if they hear and see and receive, then they will be healed and converted. So for them to see it, we need to show it. For them to hear it, we need to speak it. For them to get it, we need to give it. Amen. So Lord, help us to be your vessels. 
Help us to be your hands and your feet. Help us to be tools, as it were, in your hand. Praise God. Psalm 6 and 2 says this, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. Matthew 26, 41, these are the words of Jesus, say, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation, for the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is... Everyone say, that's God's idea. Because he says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, that God has chosen... God has chosen, praise God, the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. And you can maybe keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians because we'll spend a little bit of time there this evening, the Lord willing. But that is contrary to our thinking, isn't it? If you and I were going to start today and we were going to build a church and we were going to build the church of the living God, we would want to set those footings down and we would not want to spare any expense as we dug those footings, as we laid those foundations because we want to make sure that they are rock, 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 rock solid. But Jesus went and chose 12 weak guys. He didn't go to Parliament. He didn't go to the financial markets of the world. He didn't go to the the big-name places. He went to the beach. My Lord and my God, he went to the tax office. (laughs) We, we might want to stay away from those sort of, that sort of place, wouldn't we? We do everything we can to avoid the tax office. He chose 12 weak guys that he might be glorified. That he might be glorified. Hallelujah. Church, praise God. Praise God. As I introduce my title to you tonight, I need to make a correction from this morning when I said I am a wimp. I'm weak but I'm no wimp. (laughs) I might be weak, but I am no wimp. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray before we go any further. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for this beautiful, beautiful church because it is your church. And I thank you for your people, Lord. I thank you for, Lord, this pastor and his family. I thank you for the elders board. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for a people with a passion for souls, a people with a passion for worship, a people, Lord God, with a passion for your word and your ways. And I pray in the name that is above every name, that, Lord, as we speak forth, Lord, your words, let them be words of life. Let them be words of strength. Let them be words of victory. Let them be words of authority. Let them be words of power and words of praise. For you alone are worthy of glory in Jesus' mighty, mighty, mighty name. And the church said, Amen. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five, and say, You're glad there in the house of God tonight and mean it (laughs) second Corinthians 12 and 10 as I preach to you that title that I may be weak 
but I am no wimp. 2 Corinthians 12 and 10, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. And this is about the time when we're reading through in our own private devotion time, and we read those words, and we pause, and we think, Surely not, Paul. Surely not. Let me back it up and read it again. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Still not getting it. (laughs) Still not resonating with me, Brother Gavin. Still not coming on through. Therefore, I take pleasure in weakness. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. It's unbelievable, isn't it? But Paul's not done. Paul Paul goes on. There's a comma in my Bible. And after the comma, he goes further. He says, in reproaches. A reproach is when someone tells me off. He's still taking pleasure in in his infirmities. He's still taking pleasure in his reproaches, in these necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. I can't get my head around this, Paul. In distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak then am I strong? So church, if that thought and if that title resonates with you, then you understand how great and how merciful our God is. And we ought to worship Him and thank Him for His goodness and His grace and His might and His power and His love. Hallelujah. Because He's been so good to us. And if that doesn't resonate with you, then next week when you do need it, Well, then you can rejoice because your God got ahead of the curve and your God loves you so much that He recognizes our weaknesses. He recognizes our infirmities. He recognizes our distresses. And He says, when I am weak, then am I strong. One man wrote that this generation of Christians, and when I say that, I'm not talking about anyone under or above a certain age. I'm I'm talking about us. This generation that we live in, this generation of Christians, perhaps more than any other, has sought to make God in their image. That's back to front, right? We seem to have created a Savior who's our mate, whose plan for my life is exactly what I want, that I never have to change my thinking or my course or my expectations, but God will just come right alongside of me and bless every crazy thought that I have. I'm sorry to burst some bubbles tonight, but that's contrary to Scripture. That's not what the Word of God says. And when I speak about weakness this evening, let me be clear, please, that I am not speaking about willful, consistent sin. That is sin. And God will and God can help you to overcome that. That's His promise, not mine. I'm talking about weaknesses in our flesh, weaknesses in our mind, weaknesses in our personalities, weaknesses in us, no matter how many times we have fallen or how many times we have failed. Romans 7 and 19, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, 
that I do. It's, you know, I, I can't help myself. It's that, that which is within me, that, that sinful nature, that old man. You know, we buried him, but sometimes he thinks he's coming back. Bury him again. <laughs> Bury him again. Matthew 12 and 20, and I love this portion of Scripture. It says that a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench until he send forth judgment unto victory. Praise God. What that tells me, church, is that if we are that bruised reed, he's not going to come along and snap us off. If we are that smoking flax, he's not going to come and extinguish us. But he's going he's gonna to breathe on us. He's going to blow on us. He's going to let that, let that wind come a, across us again to stir up that gift that is within us, to reignite that passion, to reignite that flame that is within us. He's not, he's not here with a big stick to beat you over the head with it tonight. If he were, I've given him more than enough opportunity for that. If he was, if he was waiting with that stick just to go smite the first time I messed up, I, I've, I've kept him waiting for long enough. Amen. I've made too many mistakes. I've made too many mistakes. And that's why I love scriptures like that, that he's not out to snuff me out. He's not out to break me off. We heard about it this morning in our, in our teaching, didn't we? I'm not talking about willful sin. I'm not talking about when we turn our back on God and say, forget you, God, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to linger. I'm going to continue. I'm going to walk in sin. I'm not talking about that. But when I trip and when I stumble and when I fall and when I fail and I fail myself time and time and time again, that bruised reed, that smoking flax, he's going to blow on me again. He's going to breathe on me again. He's going to pour that water on me again and strengthen me again. Praise God. And that's not just a New Testament promise. Psalm 51 says it this way, that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. When we're in that state, we've got his attention. When we are in that situation, we have his attention. When God is silent, he is silent to a a heart that is building a wall against him. God is silent when there is pride in the room. But when we come to him and we humbly say, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, he gave the example of the Pharisees, didn't he? You know, the Pharisees stood on the one corner and said, Oh, God, I'm going to point over here so there's no one over here. Everyone said there's no one over here, right? Who's over here? No one. Okay. So the Pharisee stands on one corner and he says, Oh, God, big words, lots of big words, lots of carrying on. I thank thee, Lord, that I'm not a sinner like that guy. And the Lord's like, I'm not, I'm sorry, I, I can't hear you. I, I'm sorry, there's, there's nothing registering with me. But over in this corner is that guy. And over in this corner, out of, the, out of the spotlight, if I go under the piano, I might not come back out. I'll break something, so I'm not going to try and hide under the piano. But over in this corner is that guy that doesn't want to see the light, that doesn't want to see the center of attention, that doesn't want anyone looking at him, but he's the guy beating himself on the chest, and he's saying, Oh, God, 
have mercy on me. Oh God, have mercy on me. For I am a sinner. I've let you down. I have failed you. And I am weak. Oh God, have mercy on me. And the Lord said, That's got my focus. That's got my heart. Because he can't incline his ear to pride, but to a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God. He doesn't just not despise that. He says, that's what I've been waiting for. That, that's what I've been that's what I've been seeking that's that's what I've been searching for this is the moment that we can now forge a relationship this is the time that we can now build from here I, I can't build on that stiff neck over there I can't build on that but give me something broken and I can put that back together I can make that better than brand new we sang a song tonight, and one of the lines of that, I love it, it says, I'm born a winner. I wasn't born a winner, but I was born again a winner. <laughs> I, I was born in this sinful flesh, but I was born again a winner. Praise God. He made me to succeed. He, and, and with Him on my side, it's impossible for me to lose. I can trip, I can stumble, I can mess up, but, oh God, if I get back up one more time, if I get back up again, hallelujah, and I say, oh God, you see my broken spirit. Oh God, you see my contrite heart. You see these weaknesses, and, and we don't like to boast about our weaknesses, do we? We boast about our trophies. We boast about our victories. I, I, I jokingly... I was sharing with your pastor, I shared with the church in Ballarat a little while ago, I was doing some work up in the roof. And if you've ever done any work in a roof, it's hot and sweaty and it's uncomfortable, it's just yuck. And there was a time in my life when I had something that was called fitness. It was a long time ago, Brother Gavin. <laughs> but now I've swapped a vowel. I've swapped the I for an A, and you can work the rest of that out yourself. <laughs> That's what I have now. <laughs> So when I was up in the roof and there was all sorts of groaning and moaning and carrying on and we have this little porthole sort of thing through the roof, not a manhole in there, but there's another porthole inside and basically you have to be some sort of Olympic gymnast to get on through that thing. I'm not an Olympic gymnast. I can't even spell gymnast. <laughs> but I thank God that he is not looking for me to serve him according to my strengths. The issue tonight is not do I have weakness, but what do I do with that weakness? We want to normally deny them and hide them and, and, and excuse them. But Jesus is saying, as a matter of fact, I'd really like to use that thing that you've got called weakness. I'd really like to work through that weakness that you have. I want to use that weakness and it makes no sense to us. In our natural thinking, it makes no sense. We think that God wants to use only my strength, my talent, my ability. But there is a very good reason that he says, you can leave that on the shelf. I want to use your weakness. 
And the reason for that is that he might be glorified. Hallelujah. The Bible says that no flesh should glory in his presence. Praise God. And the reason that he wants to use our weaknesses, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So I apologize again if I'm bursting any bubbles and I apologize for what I'm about to say next. But God is smarter than we are. And I'm glad about that. If God was waiting on me to add the smarts, we're in trouble. (laughs) I'm so glad that my God is smarter and wiser and more powerful than we are. And the way that I think that he should work is oftentimes the exact opposite of the way that he really works in my life. I want to walk down some sort of imaginary street of roses and and live in this path where everything is, you know, butterflies and lights and all of that sort of stuff. The easy way. You know, if there was some sort of magic jelly bean that, you know, you could take away all your problems and and I'd sign up for that, bro. I I might even push women and children out of the way for that. And that's not gentlemanly. (laughs) But if there was something that would take away all my problems and solve it at the click of a fingers, I'd say, yes, please. Where, Where do I sign? And the Lord says, I've got a different plan. I've got a different way. But look, my thoughts are not your thoughts. (laughs) Is it just me? Uh, Is it just me that that would wish this would just be so much easier sometimes? But my thoughts are not your thoughts, the Lord says. His ways are not my ways, he says. 1 Corinthians 1. Maybe come with me here. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29. God is saying, I don't want to work around your weakness. God is saying, I don't want to work in spite of your weakness. I want to work through your weakness. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29 says, But God, God has chosen. God has chosen. Just, just take a finger before we go any further. Just take any finger. Put it somewhere about here and say, God has chosen me. I remember Brother Vulavosa many, many years ago preached a message that said, It is an honor to be chosen. God has chosen you. I don't know why he did that. What's the population of Perth now, bro? Roughly about two million. Out of the two million people in this city, Why has he brought you here tonight? Why has he pulled you out of a world that is not going so great? Why has he elected you? Why has he tapped you on the shoulder? Brother Carla, you were telling us some some of your testimony. Why Why did he tap you on the shoulder, bro? God has chosen. Let's read on. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. 
and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. Has God chosen? He's even chosen things that are not to bring about His plan, His will, and His purpose. He's chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. It is not about us, but it's about Him. We heard it in our tongue and interpretation tonight that God deserves the glory. Hallelujah. And so God purposely chooses. We read it three times there. God has chosen. God has chosen. God has chosen. Praise God. The weak things and the weak people. Why? Because it shows His power and His might. Not yours and not mine. But His glory and His power. You know, Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And church, that's good news. That's good news because as the, the vast majority of humanity, we're not extraordinary people. But He's chosen you and me as imperfect vessels. That's the term that I use a lot. I am an imperfect vessel. Our pastor mentioned this morning, he said, Cracked pots. And you've heard that story, I'm sure. (laughs) Clay is inherently weak. Clay inherently has flaws. That's probably why they invented Tupperware. (laughs) Because clay kept breaking. You probably never came to church thinking you'd hear Tupperware over the pulpit, did you? But but we are imperfect vessels. But God has chosen these imperfect vessels that His might, that His power, that His Spirit might be glorified. Hallelujah. That His power can shine through. And again, when I'm talking about these weaknesses, I'm not talking about sin. I'm not talking about things that we can get over. You know, I've said I'm naturally lazy. And so the Lord, in his sense of humor, he keeps loading me up with more work. It's like, I'll fix you, champ. (laughs) I'll sort your laziness out. I'm talking about, you know, whether they're physical defects or unexpected financial setbacks or external circumstances that you cannot control, even difficult relationships within your own family. I remember Sister Ballette said at the prayer session down at uh, conference, she was speaking about prayer. And part of one of the things she was speaking about, we, we sort of counted up some numbers a little bit across this weekend. For the best part of 20 years, she was either in overseas missions or home missions. Incredible human being. And she said at this time of prayer that she's got a relationship with her elder sister. And in Sister Ballette's words, she said, she's heavy duty. <laughs> She said she's never spent so much time in her prayer closet. This is an incredible human being who's been a missionary at Omer overseas for 20 years. And she's never spent so much time in the prayer closet because of a circumstance that she cannot change. Because of a situation that she can't just take that magic jelly bean and turn around and click her fingers. 
But through that, God is doing a work. God is doing a move. God is doing a great thing. Hallelujah. Why? Because we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm going to say it again. That the excellency of the power of the, may be of God and not of us. So church, we may be imperfect vessels, but we are imperfect vessels by design. Hallelujah. That God, hallelujah, who is our great God, who is our perfect God, who is our awesome God, that He might be glorified, that He might be lifted high, that He might be exalted. And the Bible tells us not only to admit our weaknesses, but like Paul wrote, to be thankful for our weaknesses. Gotta be kidding. I'm sure I didn't sign up for that. Why in the world would we be thankful for our weakness? Because our weakness may be the very thing that anchors us to our God, that causes us to turn our eyes off self and turn our eyes onto the King again and again and again. Hallelujah. Because the foolishness of God, church, is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness and most gladly therefore, most gladly therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. We read it before, in reproach, in necessity, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when, not if, when I am weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah. Why don't we just lift our hands and give the Lord glory for a second. Hallelujah. You see, church, being thankful for our weaknesses invites God's presence, invites God's help into our circumstance. And it causes us to value others, not to criticize, not to put down, but to value one another. That's the value of unity. That's the value of the church family. That's the value, hallelujah, because you see, we're all weak in different ways and we're all weak at different times. But that's where we can lift up the hands that hang down. That's where we can strengthen the feeble knees, hallelujah. That's where we can be strong together. And we've read a, a lot of scripture tonight by the Apostle Paul. And sometimes we put people on a pedestal, don't we? We read about the disciples, we read about the apostles in the New Testament, we think they were some sort of incredible human being. And in one sense they were. And yet in the other hand they were just, as we've said already, weak guys. 
And the Apostle Paul, as he writes in 2 Corinthians 11, 29, he says, Who's weak? And I am not weak. It's a rhetorical question. Who is offended and I, and I burn not? You know, the Bible speaks that offenses will come. And, and Paul received his fair share of offenses. He says, I've been offended. And, and you know, sometimes when, I'm not talking about someone cuts you off with the lights, but somebody says something or somebody does something and, and the Apostle Paul is saying, and I burn not. You know, we've, we've probably all been there as well, haven't we? We've been let down. We've been offended. We've been, we've been hurt. And there's a, there's a burning inside of us because in our flesh we might want to strike back or, or speak back or, or fight back in some way. And Paul is saying, and I burn not. I burn. I, I've been in that situation. I've been in those shoes. I burn. But then he goes on and he writes, if I must needs glory, oh Jesus, if I must, if I've got a glory, then I'm going to glory in the things which concern my infirmities. Oh, Paul, if I'm going to glory in anything, I'm going to glory in my weakness. If I'm going to glory in anything, I'm going to glory of the things which concern mine infirmities because what you see is happening and we touched on this also this morning what God is building in that what God is building through your weaknesses is building ministry the greatest message I've ever heard a man preach he preached it at the lowest time in his life when things were outside of his control when he did not have the answers, his, his family member was going through a circumstance that he was powerless to turn around and he got to behind that pulpit and he preached a message like I've never heard him preach before. I'm not going to mention names or anything like that. But my point here is this. He was at his weakest. But as he is at his weakest, he's putting out that lifeline. It's a literal lifeline. And he's saying, oh God, I don't have the answers anymore. Oh God, I don't have the strength anymore. Oh God, my victory is invisible here. But I need you to take control. And so the very thing, church, that might cause you the most grief or hurt or pain, God can use as a message to others to encourage them, to build them, to strengthen them. The thing that you are most ashamed of may well be the thing that God wants you to use to encourage others. My God's able to make beauty out of ashes. My God's able to bring the oil of joy for mourning. My God's able to put upon us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Hebrews eleven thirty two through 34 says, And what shall I more say for time would fail me to tell? Time is running out then. It's running out for me this evening. Time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah. Jephthah, I don't know if you know a whole lot about him, but he was the son of, the, son of a harlot. He was run out of his own family. But there was a passion and there was a drive in this man. He wanted to be a winner. 
He wanted to be victorious. And so, you know, there was allegiances. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but he was brought on board and he won the victory. He led the army to victory. And then he decided that he was going to do something super spiritual. He's going to make a boast and say, well, I'm, I'm such a super spiritual guy. I'm going to, I'm going to go home. And the first thing that I, I see when I get home is I'm going to sacrifice that unto the Lord. And you know the account. He, he comes home and as he's walking home, he rounds the corner, if you please. And what comes out to meet him? What's the first thing that he sees? His only beloved daughter. And that's about the time when Jephthah thought, I, I am a fool. I, I am an idiot. David, Samuel, prophet. The Bible says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. How did they do it? Out of weakness were made strong. Church, God always uses weak people and he turns that weakness into strength. Moses, Moses had an anger management issue. And I'll tell you what, if you'd spent as much time in a desert as Moses had, you'd probably be an angry man too. Even Brother Gavin. Brother Gavin's not an angry man, right? Right. You know, Brother Gavin will know this. There are two people in the Bible who are referred to as meek. Moses and Jesus. Not bad for a guy with an anger management issue. Not bad for a guy who struck the rock not bad for a guy who who killed an egyptian not bad for a guy who went through everything that he went through search it out yourself david we don't have time to go through the whole list of mess that david did and yet it is david who is known as a man after god's own heart because god turned that weakness into strength abram gideon peter 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 was a runner Peter wanted to hide. But Peter was the one who got the keys. Peter was the one who the Lord gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Jacob Jacob was a deceiver. He was a manipulator. He was a schemer. And he was a, he was a runner too. He ran from one mess to another. And he was running and running and running. And then there comes a time when he's wrestling with God and, and the Lord, and he says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And, and this is the mercy and the grace of God. He says, okay, I'll bless you. But you're going to remember this encounter that we have. And the Bible says that he touched him in the, in the hollow of his thigh. I don't know exactly what that means. Maybe he came and he gave him the biggest corky he's ever received. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, maybe he's not running anymore because maybe now he's, he's walking with a limp. Maybe that's to remind, oh, that was the time the Lord touched me. Oh, that's the time I, I wrestled with God. I'm not running anymore. Maybe that was the, the reminder that he needed for that time that the Lord blessed him. What's the bottom line? Why don't we stand together?
Stop using our weakness as an excuse. Stop using our weakness as an excuse as to why I can't be used by you, Lord. Why I can't do anything for you, Lord, because it may be the very thing that the Lord wants to use to bring glory not to us, but to himself. Joel 3 and 10, let the weak say, I am strong. Philippians 4.13, you might have this on a tea towel. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And Paul was saying, I'm not able to leap tall buildings with a single bound, but I know how it is to abound. I know how it is to be abased. I know what it's like to have so much that it spills over. And I know what it's like to have so little that I can't scrape it all together. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Hallelujah. He gives power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and they shall not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But Lord, you don't understand. I've fallen and I've failed so many times. I'm weak. We said it this morning. Rejoice not against me, oh mine enemy. Because when, not if, when I fall, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up again. When I sit in darkness... The Lord shall be a light unto me. I'm going to close this evening with a quote from a man by the name of William William Cowper. And you say to me, I've never heard of him. I say, maybe you have. You ever heard the saying that God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform? He plants his footsteps in the sea and he rides upon the storm. That was Cowper. Ever heard there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains? That was Cowper. But the phrase that I want to share with you and my brother's going to bring it up on a slide for us this evening as we close. Cowper says, Satan trembles. When he sees the weakest saint upon their knees. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon their knees. Let me explain this image to you this evening. This young boy's mother was with him in a shopping center. And as young boys are sometimes want to do, he wandered off. And his mother, when she realized that, of course, she went straight into a panic and fear. And of course, you just forget about your shopping and all you want to do is find your boy. And so she's hurrying here and there and working herself up into a state and 
Then she comes out towards the front of the store and she sees this. And of course, she's surprised to find him there kneeling in prayer and she comes across and as she's coming closer, she's of course immediately relieved to see that he's safe, to to see that he's okay. And then she glances up and sees the, the board above his head and I don't know, Sister Sophia or Brother if you can bring that up for me. But the next slide and the little image of that above his head, I don't know if we can bring it up, but on top of his head was a, a board with pictures of, of missing kids. And this little fella's gone through and he's, he's seen that board and you can't make it out, I'm sure. It says every second counts. And he's obviously thought, I can do something about this. I can fall on my knees and I can cry out to Jesus. Church, it doesn't matter who's looking tonight. We're in church, we're not in a shopping center. But Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon their knees. Church, we might be weak, but we're no wimps. We're trusting in our Jesus. I'm leaning on my Jesus, and Lord, help me like Paul to rejoice in my weakness to rejoice in my infirmities, to cry out to you, Lord, and say, I might be weak, Lord, but I'm no wimp. And I'm going to rise on those wings of an eagle, Lord. I'm going to rise on that story of praise. I'm going to rise on those wings to victory because my God can use my weakness. I'm going to hand back to our pastor tonight and give this microphone back to him. But I'm thankful to my God.